Lemoncello, hair-raising drives, and one of the most beautiful coastlines in Europe. This week, we're on Italy's Amalfi Coast. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. A little bit later on the show, we'll be talking to Kathy McCabe, host of PBS's TV series, Dream of Italy. Today, we're talking about Italy's Amalfi Coast. The Amalfi Coast has become probably the country's fourth must-see attraction after Rome, Florence, and Venice. And there's good reason for that. The beautiful coastline with sparkling water and towns clinging to cliffs around each hairpin turn have been charming visitors for centuries. Amalfi used to be a naval powerhouse, but now the lemon groves hang heavy with produce and make the world's famous lemon cello. And Fisherman's Fresh Catch fills local menus. So let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. I have links to all the places we talk about on this episode at destinationeatdrink.com. Click on Italy and the Amalfi Coast. And there's lots of other stuff we didn't have time for in this episode. There's no shortage of amazing restaurants on the Amalfi Coast, but be prepared. Prices can be as eye-popping as the views. One must-do on your foodie list should be Da Adolfo. This restaurant can be best described as a beach shack, but don't let the ramshackle atmosphere fool you. This is some of the best food you'll find on the Amalfi Coast. The menu changes regularly, so check out the blackboard when you get there. It'll tell you what the fishermen have brought in that day. But one thing that's always on the menu is mozzarella grilled on a lemon leaf. The perfume from the lemon leaf imparts a citrus flavor onto the cheese while it grills and melts under the heat. Truly extraordinary at Adolfo. If you want to go to Adolfo, you have to have reservations. There's no walk-ins allowed, and they only take reservations by phone. Don't get frustrated if they don't pick up. They're often fully booked and ignore the phone, so you have to keep trying, keep trying to get your coveted reservation at Adolfo. One of the best parts about Adolfo is getting there. You look for the little boat at the Positano Pier with the red fish on the mast. The boat only holds about 10 people and shuttles diners from the pier to Da Adolfo's beach. After lunch, rent a beach chair and an umbrella, and you'll make it perfect with a pitcher of white wine with peaches. There's also a boat that shuttles hungry patrons from the dock in Amalfi to a different restaurant, Ristorante Tonarella. It's slightly less exclusive than Da Adolfo. La Tonarella is named after the fishing net that was used to hunt tuna. And the spot where the restaurant is today, it used to be a tuna cannery, but it shut down and later became a restaurant. And now you dine right on the stony beach. It's quite a treat if you go. And when you get there, order the pasta named after Jackie Kennedy. She went to La Tonarella whenever she was in Italy and she loved the spaghetti with grilled zucchini, pancetta, and parmesan. 
For a romantic meal, the ideal dinner is at La Spanda in Positano. The restaurant is illuminated by 450 candles, and the best spot to sit is on the terrace. But these seats are highly sought after for their spectacular water view, so you have to get a reservation for La Spanda. It's worth it, and you'll definitely pay for it. If your pocketbook is feeling the pinch after La Spanda, stop in to one of the many bakeries on the Amalfi Coast for a unique seaweed fritter. Seaweed fritters are rice balls made with eggs and seaweed and fried until crispy. They're wonderful piping hot, but also good at room temperature. And for a couple of euro, they fill you right up. It's kind of like an Amalfi Coast version of Orancini. And although seaweed fritters were typically served as a takeaway food or a snack food in cafes, I've seen them start to crop up in restaurants, even in some really fancy places, which just goes to show you can never go wrong with simple, rustic recipes. But my uh, recommendation is to get one in a bakery and just stroll around the streets of the Amalfi Coast enjoying your seaweed fritter. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Subscribe to Destination Eat Drink, the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, or at radiomisfits.com. If you enjoy the podcast, rate and review it so others can find it. Lemoncello is everywhere on the Amalfi Coast, and that's because this is where the famous Sumato lemon grows. You'll see the trees everywhere, and if you're there in season, you can't miss the giant fruit hanging heavy on the sfumato tree. The baskets of the fruit are for sale in markets, and you'll see them everywhere. The sfumato lemon isn't like the lemons we're used to seeing in grocery stores. That's because they've been bred with the local bitter oranges in the region that makes them large in size and knobby in texture. Perfect for making lemoncello. Lemoncello is a digestive, um, sweet and lemony with a big alcoholic kick that surprisingly doesn't have any lemon juice in it at all. Lemoncello gets its lemon flavor from the lemon rinds. And I love lemoncello after a nice meal or with some fruit or a tart. And you can get a glass of lemoncello at practically any restaurant on the Amalfi Coast. But if you want to get a bottle for yourself, my favorite place to shop is the Antici Sapori in the town of Amalfi. The first time I ever visited Amalfi, I was hesitant to go inside Antici Sapori. That's because they had these bottles on display shaped like Italy or painted with lemons, and I couldn't help but think this place looks like a tourist trap. But I couldn't have been more wrong. This place is the real deal. They make their own limoncello. They've been doing it for ages, and their limoncello is delicious. The fun bottles, it's just a bonus. Now, you might be tempted to buy a bottle and bring it back home with you. The problem with that is the corks on the limoncello bottles are not necessarily made to survive plane travel in 2019. The changes in the pressure tend to force that cork out. And when you get home, you've got this lemony, wet, sticky mess inside your luggage. If you really want to bring a bottle home with you, make sure you duct tape that cork in very securely. 
put the bottle in a zip top bag so if the worst happens, at least all your clothes don't get ruined. The best thing to do, though, is just buy a bottle and enjoy a taste every day on your Italian vacation. If you want to make limoncello at home, it's easy. 25 years ago, our friends Steffi and Luigi taught us how to make limoncello, and we've been making it ever since at home. You just have to find the highest quality lemons you possibly can. And people uh, in Texas especially, Meyer lemons will not do the trick. Meyer lemons have this very thin skin. You want to find the lemons with the thickest skin possible because the rind is what gives the limoncello its flavor. So find the best organic thick lemons that you possibly can and make limoncello. I've shared my personal recipe at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the Italy and Amalfi Coast tabs. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. I welcome your questions about anything you've heard on the podcast. You can contact me on Facebook at Destination Eat Drink, on Twitter at Eat Destination, or on the DestinationEatDrink.com website by clicking on the About and Contact tabs. There are lots of places you can visit from the Amalfi Coast that are easy day trips. The easiest of all might be Ravello. It's just a quick bus ride and here you can see the magnificent gardens at Villa Cimbrone, which date back to the 11th century. And don't miss the nearby Terrace of Infinity. Here, marble busts line a walkway overlooking the water. This is the upload spot for your video to Snapbook or FaceChat. And the island of Capri is probably one of the most popular spots on the Amalfi Coast. For about 100 bucks, you can book a spot on a boat that will take you from Sorrento on the Amalfi Coast to Capri. Um, and it's a wonderful place to go. Make sure, though, that your trip includes a stop in the famous Blue Grotto. You'll have to get onto a smaller boat, the size of maybe a rowboat, so you can fit inside the Blue Grotto. But once inside the luminescent waters make the trip worthwhile. The ruins of the city of Pompeii are only about 30 minutes from Sorrento. You just take a train up there and it stops right near the gates of Pompeii, the city that was destroyed by Mount Vesuvius 2,000 years ago. It's fascinating to see the archeological site of Pompeii and you can take a guide to show you around. I would say make sure that your guide is licensed. I've seen guides hanging out in front of Pompeii who I'm pretty sure were not licensed, were not official. So make sure your guide is licensed or better yet, book your guide ahead of time online. If you don't want to do that, at least get the audio guide. It's a few extra euro, but it's worth it. You don't want to be wandering around Pompeii having no idea of what you're looking at. The audio guide gives you context for all of the sites in Pompeii. And one last tip, make sure when you go to Pompeii, bring a hat and bring sunscreen. There's little shade of Pompeii and the heat there can be relentless. You can make a whole day trip from visiting Pompeii to going to Mount Vesuvius National Park. From Pompeii, it's less than an hour to Mount Vesuvius National Park. This 
is the volcano that erupted 2,000 years ago and covered Pompeii in lava and ash. While Mount Vesuvius is still an active volcano, it hasn't erupted in like 70 years. But bring good shoes. This is a mountain after all. And bring a jacket or sweater. You're going up several thousand feet and it's much colder at the top of the volcano than below. But the climb, it's definitely worth it. It's incredible to see the Bay of Naples opening up below you and the city there and seeing how Mount Vesuvius absolutely destroyed Pompeii. And the fact that if it were to ever erupt again, how vulnerable the city of Naples with its population of 2 million people would truly be. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. You can find out more about my fiction writing, my novel Truffle Hunt, and my collection of short stories, That Bird, at Amazon.com or at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the About tab. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be talking to PBS host Kathy McCabe of Dream of Italy. But first, the Amalfi Coast is several small towns tucked into cliffs along the Tyrrhenian Sea. And I think the best way to get to the Amalfi Coast is to take the train from Naples to Sorrento. Sorrento is not technically a part of the Amalfi Coast, but it's a beautiful town in its own right and worth a visit if you have some time. From Sorrento, there's bus service to Positano, Amalfi, and the rest of the Amalfi Coast. Or if you prefer a more scenic view, there's a seasonal ferry that operates between Naples and the Amalfi Coast. Of course, it's a lot more expensive than the train and the bus, but the views are probably worth it. The bus ride to the Amalfi Coast takes you along the famous Amalfi Drive and a series of hairpin turns that navigate the cliffs to the coast. Lots of people hire a private car to take them along the Amalfi Drive, but the bus is very efficient and cheap, and the drivers are professional who have navigated these twists and turns of Amalfi for years and years. I looked it up because I was concerned Um, Have there been people, because I always think when I'm driving along Amalfi, people must plunge over the cliffs here. I have yet to see a news story of anyone going over the cliffs at Amalfi. It's safe, but I do like to say leave it to the professionals. Summer is the most popular time to visit the Amalfi Coast, which is exactly the reason why you shouldn't go in the summer. It is so incredibly crowded. It's so hot. In May and September... The weather is still gorgeous, most of the places are open, and it's not nearly as crowded as it is in the summer months. If you go in the way off season, a lot of places may be closed, but going in the shoulder season is the way to go and Amalfi, in my opinion. Lots of people go to the Amalfi Coast for shopping, and there's lots of fancy boutiques and high-end stores for you to browse and spend lots and lots of money. But my favorite thing to buy when on the Amalfi Coast is ceramics. You can find everything from these little ceramic dishes decorated with lemons or olives for under 10 euro to one-of-a-kind pieces of ceramic artwork for tens of thousands of dollars. But for me, A little hand-painted trivet or coaster or candy dish. It's small, it's inexpensive, and it's the perfect souvenir or gift. And it's something that I'll use all the time. And whenever I see this little thing, I'm reminded of the Amalfi Coast and night-sipping lemoncello on a terrace overlooking the water. 
There's tons of ceramic shops all up and down the streets of the town of Amalfi, and you'll find excellent pieces here. Just be sure to ask before you buy. Make sure that it's made locally and that it's hand-painted. It would be a terrible disappointment to get home and find out that your little Amalfi Coast piece was actually made in China. If you're serious about ceramics, you should consider a trip to Vietri sul Mar. This is a town along the Amalfi Coast. It takes about an hour on the bus from Amalfi. And inside the town is Ceramica Artistica Solimene. Now, the first thing to know about Solimene is that it's not a traditional store. It's actually a ceramics factory where people can buy ceramics. So you shouldn't expect white glove treatment here. These folks are factory workers working in a factory. But if you're looking for big discounts, especially on their seconds, these are pieces that are slightly damaged or irregular. And if you look at them, the damage is so negligible or even invisible that it makes the big discount totally worth it. But like I said, if you're looking for top-notch white glove service, don't expect it at Solomene. You're not going to get it there. Some people are put off by what they see as rude or abrupt behavior by the staff. And if that's something that you think is going to bother you, then I would say don't go to Solomene. Just go to Amalfi and buy your pieces there. But for a real experience, you can go to Solomene and pay a lot less. Destination Eat Drink. Well, I'm so happy to welcome to the podcast Kathy McCabe. Kathy is the founder of Dream of Italy, a newsletter about Italy, and also host of the PBS show Dream of Italy. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, Kathy. Oh, Brent, I'm so happy to be here, and I'm excited that you're doing this podcast. I actually am starting a podcast soon, too, so maybe I can learn a few things from you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to hearing that, too. Uh, so Dream of Italy uh, started as a newsletter. What inspired you to start the Dream of Italy newsletter? And it is still a newsletter, although we're kind of rebranding as a magazine or publication. So 16 years running. What inspired me uh, is a longer story, but my mother and I went back to find um, her father's ancestral hometown in 1995. And it was a life-changing experience. I fell in love with Italy. I found this place like, um, you know, in America... We only have a few hundred years and we, you know, we don't really know where our place is in terms of the land. And I felt like I found my place. Our ancestors had been Norman invaders and had been in this small town in southern Italy for at least a thousand years. And I started going to Italy on my vacations. I worked in journalism, but every long vacation I had, I would go to Italy. And so there were, I realized there were a lot of people out there like me and wanted to create a resource for them, to give them new ideas. And so I started writing about villas and cooking schools and truffle hunting and experiential travel before it even became the amazingly big thing it is now. And then a few years ago, it became a PBS series as well. Love the TV show. Um, love the episodes where you are. The episode where you went with your mother back to Italy was fantastic. Um, do you want to talk about that episode a little bit? So, you know, we came full circle. So I was growing up there. I'm an only child, very close to my mom and my dad. And my mom and I made that first trip. 
and we were fulfilling um, her father's wish to find this town. And you have to watch the PBS episode, Dream of Italy, Castle Vetre, Sol Calore. You can find it at dreamofitaly.com or on YouTube uh, to hear the whole story. But as I started this publication and would travel so often to Italy, my mom would often come with me because, you know, boyfriends or friends in America, we only get two or three weeks vacation, right? If you're in a corporate job. So my mom was always available to go. So we probably took something like 25 trips together over the years. Wow. Italy was our thing. And she loved it just as much as me. And to bring my story full circle in the second season, we, I decided to do this ancestry episode in Castle Vetreso Calore. At first, my mom had cancer. She wasn't doing that badly. But at first, I had just thought I was going to go film it. And then anyone who knows me, I'm very spontaneous and last minute. I would say probably three to maybe four weeks before we were going to go film it. I talked to my director and said, hold the phone. You know, my mother has to come. And if my mother's coming, my father's coming. <laughs> and so we filmed and it was the culmination of 23, 22 years, 22, 23, 24 years of my work. And really the most magical thing I've ever done. You have to watch it to see all the nuances of it, but we talk a lot about faith, about ancestry, about citizenship, about identity. Um, it's actually a much more complicated story than you would think, my family story. A couple of months after it premiered, my mom actually passed away. And I am so beyond grateful that we got to do this together. And she, sometimes when I'm sad and I miss her, I watch the episode. <laughs> You know what? And it is. It's a wonderful gift that uh, you and your mother had that time together. You know, I, I watched the episode and I feel like I know your mom. And I was so uh, I was so heartbroken when I heard that she passed away. But, you know, you have this uh, you have this everlasting gift of this episode that you did with her. I can't even tell you. And sometimes I get very deep on the whole Italy thing and how healing of, the, of a place it is. And this was a very big and healing experience. So, and I hope that people who watch it can take something from it, like traveling with the people you love, at least, or finding your roots or talking about identity or, or ancestry and, and immigration and what what so many Americans went through when they first came here. So there's a lot of layers there. And, and then it's just a fun travel story. And it's a fun to see the culture of Southern Italy. So, Kathy, what I love about the Dream of Italy TV show is that it's not your typical TV travel show. You don't necessarily go to all the big sites and tourist attractions during your show. You show a lot of Italians creating traditional and modern art, food, wine, music, anything creative. Who were some of your favorite people you met on your travels? That is a very, very tough question. <laughs> um, uh, I, I, I hate to pick favorites, but like every one of them is so unique. We went to this little port uh, town in Puglia called Monopoly, and we met this 70-something, maybe 80-something fisherman. And what he does in his retirement is he builds these little model boats and has like a little shop, and you sort of have to know where to look for it. And it was just so charming and amazing. And then... Uh, you know, in Abruzzo, I met a guy who for 25 years has been catching snakes 
for the uh, Kokulo, um, I hope I'm saying it right. Sometimes I murder Italian <laughs> names. This festival uh, where they put snakes all around a saint and parade them around. And he, every season, he's every each year he catches snakes and he recognizes them. Like over 20 years, he was catching the same snake because they tagged them and he named one of them after his wife. And I mean, <laughs> just... And then I th- and then he didn't after like 25 years or 26 years she wasn't there and I was like oh no but I mean all these little stories of just slices of life that you don't even expect so um, those are a couple of my favorites literally they're all my favorites at the moment when I'm doing it it is just it feels you know when I'm with them. It, it feels so new and unique, and um, I enjoy meeting all these Italians so much. You know, you you said uh, you said it's all your favorite. And I always say when people ask me what's your favorite place, I always say the next place I'm going to. You mentioned sure. you mentioned Puglia, and I love. Puglia, because one of the main reasons it's beautiful, but also it's still relatively undiscovered. I remember one time we went to Puglia and we spent the afternoon in the backseat of this tour guide's Alfa Romeo, and she just tooled around and took us to all these unknown wineries throughout Puglia. And at the end of the day, we uh, gave her a nice tip with a couple bottles of Puglian wine. And it's just a memory that I'll always think about, but I'm, I'm also reluctant to talk about Puglia because I feel like it's still kind of undiscovered. Um, it is, although it's getting more discovered. It, it, I, went, I first went in 2004 when it was really, I should have bought, I should have bought one of those little Trullo or Truly, how, Truly series oh, of yeah. houses. But it is, I mean, compared to, obviously to Tuscany, it is still undiscovered. And it, it is like one of my top three places. The beaches are beautiful. The it's, it's very flat. And, you know, if you want to bike, it's super easy. It's, there's no traffic, these huge stone walls, the olive trees are the are gigantic. They're like a hundred times, maybe not a hundred times, but like 25 times the size of the ones in Tuscany, the limestone, the mozzarella, the truly, it really is one of my favorite places. In our first season, we did a whole episode about Puglia, but I, I love all of Italy for different reasons. The South really is pretty magical though. Today's podcast is about the Amalfi Coast. And when you go to the Amalfi Coast, what's your favorite thing to do and your favorite thing to eat? <laughs> I have a dirty secret and that's that I'm not, I don't like seafood. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I don't eat seafood either. And still, I love going to Amalfi. I like to eat anything with lemons, you know, the lemons there, they're gigantic. So not just limoncello, but, you know, they make different pastas with lemon, desserts, and just anything with lemon is so delicious there. I love to be on the ocean, near the ocean. I love the little islands. You know, I love Capri, but, um, and I actually am wearing right now, my mother has, um, there's a whole long story to it. She has a, she had a necklace with a bell that says Capri on it. And there's a legend that, uh, St. Michael, um, had this bell so his sheep wouldn't get lost. So they would hear each other. And if you wear this bell, you're never alone. And so my mom had this for more than 50 years, this necklace. So I, I wear it now and I'd like to go back and do a story about there's a particular jewelry store that sells these. Ischia is another island off of um, the Amalfi Coast. They have these great hot thermal springs. 
Um, I went on a trip there actually quite maybe 20 years ago. And it's like going, it was like going back in time, like the real Italian sort of beach vacation. I love the movie Il Postino. So I went to the third island in that group, which is Procida, where nobody goes, not many people go to. And that's really cool. So the Amalfi Coast, it can get crowded, but I think you can find um, these other islands to go to, hiking, um, wineries. There's, there's. Um, we did a story on Tenuta San Francesco uh, Winery in Tremonti, and it's one of the only uh, vineyards that wasn't wiped out in the 18, 19th, 18th or 19th century uh, with phylloxera. So they actually, because of the volcanic, volcanic soil, it was 19th century, the volcanic soil protected the vines, so you're actually having this really kind of rare wine experience. These are, um, these are original vines because a lot of people don't know that uh, the vines were wiped out in all of Europe from this disease. And the wine, the wine that you're drinking now is actually grafted root from probably North American stock. I know. Can you believe it? It's crazy. Yeah. If you go to this vineyard in particular, you can have that experience, which is really unique. Um, this, this, when I was on the Amalfi Coast, I was in Positano and also in Conca de Marini, which I'll tell you about in a second. And I met a woman who runs a company called Swirl the Glass, and they're, they do a lot of wine tours. So there's a lot of vineyards in here. And then my ancestral hometown's probably maybe an hour and a half, all in Irpina, in Avellino. This is a really, really important and up and coming wine area. So you can even get off the coast and go in there. My friend Gaetano runs a company called the wine bus. Um, so he takes people. Uh, I think there's a lot more to the Amalfi coast than people think. One of my favorite hotels, you have to save up for a long time, but one of my favorite hotels in the whole world is called Monastero Santa Rosa. And it's in an old, mon an old, um, monastery where they invented sfogliatelle. And uh, so if you're ever looking to break the bank, that's the place to go. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I'm glad you brought up the other islands because a lot everyone knows about the island of Capri. And it's a good place to go. You should go to the island of Capri. But there are other islands in the uh, near the Amalfi Coast that are definitely worth visiting. And they're not nearly as crowded as, um, as Capri or the rest of Amalfi. Absolutely. And so I'm a fan of, I'm a fan of, you know, going to these popular places, but then trying to do something a little different, which is what we try to do in the TV show, which is what I've tried to do in my publication. So finding, um, you know, even doing the wineries, that's not totally what people do when they go to the Amalfi Coast, I think. And then you have to just sit, <laughs> you know, and enjoy the views. Um, the views are so spectacular. I'm intrigued with driving the Amalfi Drive. I've done it a bunch of times. I'm not sure uh, whether to advise people to do it or not. Probably not. So I'm way like, too white. I'm way too white knuckle to drive that. I'd be pointing at something while I'm driving. And then I just imagine, you know, over the cliff. I le leave it to the professionals, I say. It's pretty crazy. I, I enjoy it. But boy, it's tight, you know, with the buses. And um, it's, it is quite the sport, actually. <laughs> yeah, leave it to the professionals. I happen to be a seasoned Italy driver, although I have to tell you, that I, once or twice in Rome, I said, forget it, never, ever, ever again. Um, but besides that, I'm pretty, pretty brave. 
Uh, but it's it's an interesting part of the Amalfi experience, even just being in a car or in a bus uh, going along. It's so beautiful, but it's it can be terrifying once in a while. So you mentioned a couple of uh, tips for uh, visiting wine country, which I've never actually done in Amalfi. I think that's a great tip. And visiting some of the lesser known islands. Any other uh, insider tips for travelers who want to go to the Amalfi Coast? There's a lot of hiking. There's a lot of really good hiking. Um, and I think you can you can get on that. I think we've done, actually, I think we did an article about hiking on the Amalfi Coast. Um, and so you can also get away from the crowds and do that. There's a trail called Path of the Gods, I think it is, which is quite famous. And it's a gr- it's absolutely stunning. So that's another way to have, um, at, you know, an active vacation if you want to. But I'm, I'm not opposed to, again, just sitting with an aperitivo and looking out over the sea. <laughs> or, yeah, little, I always say, you know, Amalfi Coast will break your bank because everything's expensive there. But you can get a little bottle of limoncello, sit on the shore, enjoy a little glass, and just watch the world go by. And that's as entertaining as anything else you'll do. Absolutely. And I think that's actually a secret for Italy in general. Get get a bottle of wine, get an aperitivo, sit in a piazza, sit um, sit and watch the world go by. There's nothing sort of more entertaining than Italians <laughs> or even sometimes watching other tourists <laughs> or travelers. So, Kathy, what's coming up next for Dream of Italy? So I did mention we're starting this podcast. So that's really exciting because... Uh, I like to talk. So (laughs) no, I mean, I like to, you know, unique when you're editing a publication or editing a, a really what's heartbreaking is editing a TV show and you have like a 30, 40 minute wonderful conversation and you have to get it down to three minutes. So I know you probably understand, you know, having a podcast will be really interesting to have more lengthy discussions. But we also have a PBS, a special for PBS coming out summer 2019. I went to Cortona and spent five days with Francis Mays, the author of Under the Tuscan Sun that, you know, literally probably fed tens of millions of Italian dreams. People still show up in her at her front door of Brahma Sole, the villa she (laughs) wrote about. She and her husband are more kind and generous and lovely than you could ever imagine. And I get to go inside Brahma Sole, which was incredible because people come to see the front of the house. They don't get to go inside. And then we had quite an interesting conversation about transformation, travel, women, Italy, what attracts them, you know, the, the idea of moving or moving part-time to another country or to Italy and what that's really like. And then she takes me and I meet all her friends in Cortona. We have a lot of fun with art, cooking, eating, wine, and I'm really excited for people to see this. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing this. And uh, if you go on to a Dream of Italy on Facebook, like the page, you'll get updates and you'll know when it's going to be showing on your PBS station. Um, thanks for spending time with us, Kathy. I really oh, appreciate it. So- I'm so excited. I mean, it's been great to talk to you and we'll have to talk again because there are endless, endless topics when it comes to Italy and we all, I know, keep going back for more. Well, check out Kathy at uh, dreamofitaly.com and grazie mille, Kathy. Grazie. Well, wasn't that an interesting story from Kathy McCabe? What a great guest. What a great person. Um, That's going to do it for this episode of Destination Eat, Drink, the podcast. We drop a new show each and every Friday. So check us out every week. 
Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla and is a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.